please, would you open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. I thought we would pause and uh, just prepare us for the Christmas season. And um, I'd like us to look at the story of Christmas this morning in Luke chapter 1. There is a real sense of nostalgia that exists around the world when we come to the period of Christmas. And I can understand it because in many respects we've romanticized Christmas. And, um, you know, when we look at baby Jesus in the manger, um, he wasn't wrapped in silk. He wasn't in a sanitary environment. You know, the shepherds came, weren't ideal shepherds, they were normal shepherds. Jesus who came didn't come to become the new leader of the Jewish people which the Israelites were hoping for. It wasn't an ideal situation. But it was a very real situation. It was filling a prophecy that existed for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And so Jesus came into this world for a specific reason. And so when we celebrate Christmas this year, my attempt this morning is for us to understand exactly what kind of happened at that time, but how revolutionary it actually was. Because if we had to organize Christmas, we would have organized Christmas in a very different way. If we were to be in control of Jesus coming to the earth, we all would have done it very, very differently. Um, Ken and I, when we organize certain things, Ken will do it in one way, I will do it in another way. So you can imagine if we had to facilitate the birth of Jesus, it would have been done very differently. Ken would have facilitated it out in the woods, in the mountains, amongst all of the animals. You know, that's Ken. If I had to do it, I would have taken Jesus to a five-star hotel. Five-star meal. I would have gotten the most expensive animals. I would have put Jesus in silk. We're so different. Jenny and I, even if we had to do it, it would be so different. Jenny would have gone camping like Ken would have. And so we see here that when we celebrate Christmas, we've dressed up Christmas in the way that we would like to see it the world. But actually, it is an incredible event where we could use it, which we have done ever since I can remember, in a way where we can show the world that Christmas was the start of a wonderful gift that was given to the world, in which the world could be reconciled with God. Fulfillment of an incredible prophecy. As a matter of fact, Jesus' birth was full of controversy, wasn't it? You know, Mary 
wasn't supposed to have carried Jesus because she was a virgin. Shame was surrounded over her life because she became pregnant. Even though an explanation was given that Joseph actually accepted, everybody was talking. Isn't that an interesting thing? You and I get so bent out of shape when people talk about us. You can imagine that they were talking about Mary. And for years later, I'm sure people were still saying things about Mary and saying things to Jesus. Jesus, do you know what actually happened? Your mother really wasn't a virgin. And so nothing about Christmas really is the way that the world presents it to us. The Bible gives us an accurate description of what happened. And so it's a beautiful story. And I've just entitled um, this, the story of Christmas. The promise fulfilled. And that's what Christmas is. Christmas is a story of hope for people. If we need hope, we've never needed it more than today. You speak to people all around, and I had the opportunity to speak to someone just the other day, and they said to me, this world is in a real mess, and it absolutely is. Because man is doing what they do best, and it's not to repair, it's to tear apart. The hope that the world needs is exactly the message that Christmas brings to us, and that is Jesus. And so this morning, I would like us to understand that as a church, we carry within our hearts the most wonderful message that the world needs, and that is hope. In your individual circumstances today, where do you lack most? For some of us, it is actually believing what God has promised. Even as Christians, there are times when we struggle to actually believe what God has said. But the most wonderful thing when we look back at Christmas is that God kept his promise. And he sent Jesus to the world for the plan of redemption to be started in the lives of mankind in a very unique way. My friends, what I want to say to us this morning is this. When I look at the baby in the manger, when I look at the tree, when I hear the Christmas carol sing, what does it put within my heart? It puts within my heart that God is a God who keeps his promises. He's not like man who lies. The events associated with the birth of Jesus fulfilled numerous Old Testament prophecies which were given centuries actually before it happened. The Old Testament includes about 60 different prophecies with more than 300 references of the coming of Jesus. You know, prophecies like um, he will be called wonderful, counselor, mighty God, and the Prince of Peace. 
The four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, record several times when Jesus said that he was fulfilling the prophecy of the Old Testament. He was the fulfillment of it. And then Luke writes in the Gospel of Luke, and he presents Jesus as the compassionate Son of God who came to live among sinners, to love them, help them, and to die for them. In this gospel, through the story of Christmas, you meet individuals as well as crowds, women and children as well as men, poor people as well as rich people, and sinners along with saints. The Gospel of Luke, when he speaks about Christmas, is a book and a story with a message for everyone. Because Luke's emphasis is on a universal Jesus. That means he accepts every person from every tribe, from every nation. Luke chapter 2 verse 10 says about his salvation that he brings good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. Isn't that wonderful? Good tidings, good news of great joy to all people. When we celebrate Christmas this year, my friends, we should be able to take the light that he has placed within our hearts, hold it up, and tell people that Christmas is about good news. That has great joy within it for every person. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Every single promise is fulfilled in Jesus. And my friends, Christmas is about Jesus. So let's read Luke chapter 1 verses 1 to 4. And this is what Dr. Luke says. He says, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. Just as they were handed down to us by those who from first were eyewitnesses, and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you. Most excellent Theopolis. Listen to this. So that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. So Luke starts to write in the gospel of Luke so that we can be certain of what we believe about Jesus Christ. And so the story of Christmas, when we look back at it, is again to solidify that belief of Jesus within our hearts. To believe that God keeps his promise. And for your heart, to embrace that truth in faith. 
so that you can stand firm. Now, there are a number of events in Luke chapter 1 that takes place that helps us to understand the power of the birth of Jesus and what happened here. And so we first see here in the book of Luke when the good news was shared. Because remember, Christmas is about good news that came to the world. I want us to look at some of the responses to this good news that was shared. The first response, there were basically four different responses to the promise of the good news coming to man. And the first response is the response of unbelief. And all of us found ourselves in that place. Some of us still find ourselves in that place. And sometimes as Christians, we step into that place of unbelief within our lives because of circumstances where we no longer believe the way we used to believe because of certain things that would take place within our lives. And we see a wonderful account of Zacharias and Elizabeth concerning her falling pregnant with John the Baptist. And I want you just to look with me for a brief few moments as we look at Zechariah. Zechariah's first response when he heard about the news of his wife falling pregnant was one of unbelief. Now, my friends, it is hard for us to judge him. They wanted a baby for a very, very long time. And now, Elizabeth was old, and the good news comes to Zechariah and says, your wife is going to have a child. Now, you put yourself in Zechariah's place. Now, I'm not an old man, but if an angel had to come to me and say to me, Jenny is pregnant. Lord, have mercy, would be my response. Jenny agrees. And so I, I just can't judge Zechariah, but his response was one of unbelief. And listen to what the scripture says in Luke chapter 1, verses 5 to 7. In the same time of Herod, the king of Judea, there was a priest. This was a man who feared God, named Zechariah. He belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. And they both were very, very old. I love the story because it breaks the notion that um, if I'm unable to fall pregnant, it's because of sin within my life or because I don't believe. Just breaks that theory here. So that's one reason why I like it. Secondly, I like the story because we live in a world that's just not ideal. 
And we've got to bring God into whatever circumstances we face, my friends. Not shut him out of our circumstances when God is not the type of God that we want. When things don't work out the way that you think it should work out, maybe you're comparing yourself to other people. My friends, what happens then is we're shutting God outside of our lives. I love the story because we don't have to do it. We can bring God into our lives. Even when circumstances we feel is against us. And so when we look at Luke chapter 1 verses 18 and 19, Zechariah responds. He says, he asks the angel. That's a good thing to do is to ask. How can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. For me, I would have put it in quotation marks. Good news. And now... You will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at the appointed time. He doubted the word of God. There was a real sense of unbelief within his heart. But I want you to not put a full mark behind the sentence but a comma, because in our last point, you will see how beautifully Zechariah comes through this event. So if there is hope for Zechariah, there is definitely hope for you and I. My friends, in our lives, whatever happens, you don't have to put a full mark behind your sentence to say, well, God is against me, or I'm never going to make it, or I've just messed up so badly. My friends, in God, we always put a comma behind the sentence because God is able to continue to write something into your story. That's of his doing. Watch the space. I gladly watch the space in some of your lives. My friends, you may say, well, what happens? Why do we sometimes not believe what God is saying? Well, unbelief can be a result of unfulfilled expectation, as was the case in Zechariah. They had hoped for so long and nothing happened, and that hope had died within them. But I just love it. Just when we think that there is no hope for us or when we think that there is no hope for anybody else, God steps in because he is a God of such mercy and a God of such grace. My friend, leave space for God within your life. I'm not saying that it's going to work out the way that you want it. Probably not. But it will work out in the way that God wants it. And if his plan becomes yours, my friends, you will have peace within your heart and there's a number of things that will happen within your life. God is much bigger than your unbelief at the moment. Much bigger than that. 
So don't give up. My friends, the message of Christmas during the day and age that we live in should be that God is bigger than your questions, bigger than your failures, even bigger than your unbelief. My friends, if we can put this message across to people in a gracious, kind, and in a loving way, maybe people will open up their hearts enough for us to see God, just to step into their lives and perform a miracle, as we will see within Zachariah's life. My friends, the second response to the good news that um, God brought to the world was one of faith. And here we look at Mary, the mother of Jesus. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 33 says this, In the sixth month, Elizabeth's, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. I feel sorry for those angels who always had to come to speak to us as humankind. Eh? They didn't always get the best reception. God sent the angel, Abel, uh, the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pled to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of Joseph. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. How did Mary respond? Mary was greatly troubled. <laughs> the angels must have said, God, why don't you go yourself? Why are you sending me? <laughs> Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Some of you need to hear that today. Mary, you have found favor with me, with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. The kingdom will never end. And then, we look at verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Isn't that a wonderful response? May your word to me be filled. She responded in faith. The third response to the good news in the Christmas story, was one of joy. And again, we look at Elizabeth here. She had gone through such difficulty. Her husband couldn't speak. Maybe that is why she was so joyful. <laughs> but this is what Luke, chapter 1, verse 39 to 45 says. After that time, Mary got ready, hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. That was John the Baptist. Amazing, huh? And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow, incredible. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, 
Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in the womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Incredible. Within this passage of scripture, we see that the baby in her womb leaped for joy. My friends, joy is a wonderful product of a work of God within our lives. My friends, I believe God's plan for all of us is to move from a place of unbelief to a place of faith. When faith takes its root within our lives and we trust God irrespective, my friends, what will happen is that there will be a joy that will come. There is a joy that will come that will be greater than your greatest sorrow. My friends, that is the message of Christmas. From unbelief to faith. From faith to joy. My friends, that is the progression of the work of the Holy Spirit within every believer's life. Yes, my friends, there are some times when doubt will set into our hearts and lives. It's so with me, and it is so with you. But my friends, the most wonderful thing is that God comes through His ways and means, and He moves us to a place of faith in Him. You know, uh, you've heard me say before, and Frederick Bochner says, the doubts are the ants in the pants of faith. They keep it awake and moving. And so just when there is some doubt, my friends, the Holy Spirit will keep you moving into faith. So it's not always that bad for doubts to creep in. Re-evaluate the preciousness of our faith. But God wants to move us from faith into a lifestyle of joy. There is some, nothing more contagious to the world when they see a Christian filled with joy. People are attracted to people who are full of joy, not people who complain all the time. My friends, the greatest gift that you and I, if you married, can give to your spouse is to say, Lord, fill my heart with your joy. It will do a marriage good. When God moves you from unbelief into faith, you see, this is what faith does. Faith remembers what God has done for us on the cross. That's what faith does. But faith does something else. Faith reaches to what God has for us. And that 
helps us to step into joy. I've been thinking over the last few weeks just what helps us to live a lifestyle of joy. And as I saw the people go through baptism the other day, the answer just came within my mind. Joy comes to the Christian when we do the next thing that is right in front of us. That's when joy comes. Is it doing? Yes, do. (laughs) So often joy escapes us because we keep our eyes on the thing that is in the distant future and we get so bent out of shape because we don't have that yet. Instead, walking through the door that God has just opened for us. My friends, joy is there in abundance for us, but we need to step through the next door. (laughs) As we do that, Joy will flood your heart and life. I saw with these guys here this past Sunday as they stepped into the next thing that God has for you. Don't focus on so many other things. I've got to have this question answered, that question answered. I'm not good enough. No, the next thing that God had for those people was to get baptized in water. Their hearts are filled with joy. Amen? Stepping into the next thing. My friends, faith opens the door for joy as we step into the next thing. No wonder in the midst of dire circumstances, these people experienced the incredible joy of God. And then the fourth response, which is the one I love, and it's the one that I think God has, has, has so much more work to do within my own life. And, and, and we go back to Zechariah. I want you to, you know, Zechariah is just like me. You know, and, and that's why I love this character. You know, um, God moves Zechariah from unbelief to faith. I'm not sure whether there was that step of joy. I didn't quite see that, but I think there would be. If he listened to my message, he may have. But he certainly stepped into a place of praise. My friends, it is my humble submission to you that God continuously, in whatever stage you find yourself in, he wants to move you from unbelief into faith. From faith into joy. And from joy into a lifestyle of praise. My friends, the mark of spirituality in God is a lifestyle of praise. I think that escapes us oftentimes. And when we look at people who are growing and maturing in the nature and the character of Christ, it is people who live a lifestyle of praise. You say, how do you get this? Well, let's just look at Zechariah again. In Luke chapter 1, verses 57 to 66, it says, When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. Do you see the words joy just comes everywhere up here? On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, 
and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. They said to her, there is no one among your relatives who have that name. You see, she was willing to break with tradition to praise. <laughs> then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue set free. And he began to speak what? Praising God. Whoa, praise is possible. Praise is possible. All the neighbors were filled with awe and throughout the hill country of Judea. People were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? The Lord's hand was with him. God moved Zechariah from unbelief to faith, probably to joy, but definitely to a lifestyle of praise. It's a miracle. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 says, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. My friends, I trust that over this Christmas period that God would move us from unbelief to faith, where we believe what he said. From faith into a lifestyle that is contagious with joy. And a lifestyle of praise. You see, praise is not subject to circumstances at all. Praise is just towards him. Recognizing the worth of who he is, and we start to praise him.